Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Plus Model Radio, the voice of the Plus industry. I'm your host, Shanice Lewis. Today is Monday, February 16th, 2009. Thanks for tuning in. I've got a great show for you today. But if you haven't already heard, Plus Model Radio will be having a two-hour telethon Monday, April 13th, to take pledges to support Plus Model Magazine's editor, Madeline, who has been diagnosed with MS and has created the first Plus Model Magazine team to participate in the Manhattan MS Walk on April 19th. More details will be available in the March edition of Plus Model Magazine, but you can also check out our MySpace blogs and the Plus Model Radio fan page on Facebook for more details. So coming up later on the show will be actress and comedian Coco Brown and from The Biggest Loser, Rasha Spindle, but first, Deb Malkin. Deb is a Long Island native who spent much of her youth, of her young adult life, hating her body, but transformed into a passionate size acceptance advocate. She created with a few of her friends, the Fat Girl Flea Market, to create a body-positive shopping event that was affordable, affirming, and fun to raise money for No Loose, a size acceptance organization for the gay and lesbian community. Through the annual event, she became passionate about resale and vintage clothing, and this month has opened the first resale vintage clothing store exclusively for sizes 14 and up. So let's give a warm welcome to Deb. Hi, Deb. Are you there? Hi, Shanice. I'm right here. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. You're welcome. Exciting to talk to you. Oh, thanks. So your background is in theater, which led you to a brief career in entertainment. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I worked in the theater in production and PR, and then I got my master's degree in arts administration from NYU. But what I really loved about it was working with and supporting artists and writers. Um, So I ended up working in a talent agency in New York for a while and then moved to L.A. and worked uh, for a television literary agency, which was a lot of fun, getting to go on the set and on the lot and different, um, like, Fox Studio and things like that. It was kind of like a big, crazy playground. Um, so at that time, you hadn't got into plus-size anything yet. No, I wasn't. I was just a plus-size girl running around L.A. Um, and, um, you know, trying to work on feeling good about myself, whatever it was that I was doing. And I think that self-esteem, you know, people really appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think not being uh, not being an actor, not being a model, you have a different kind of set of expectations around your body um, than than those people do. Right. Um, so, so you move back. It's really, the really hard. Yeah. So what I loved about it was that I liked the creative, like helping people with the creative process. And mm-hmm. so um, now when I work in fashion, I see I feel like working in clothing and dressing women is kind of like my new creative process and helping women with their creative process. That's really fun. Cool. So you moved back to New York, and mm-hmm. then you started working for Alike.com. Now, what did you do there, and what was that experience like? Um, I started working there as the office manager, actually, but then I ended up um, working graphic design and um, marketing and copywriting. And, um, uh you know, it was the early days of the Internet. It was really, really fun to work for a company that was dedicated to the plus-size women. They cared about the fashion and the fit 
and the quality and then the kinds of messages about self-esteem and love were really important. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, refreshing to work in a place where folks weren't talking about dieting all the time. Also, that was a really nice work environment. Is that where you were exposed to the plus-size community and the plus-size events going on? Well, a little bit. I think I was also exploring that socially on at the same time. So they were kind of simultaneous, and I had a lot of um, – so I was doing this volunteer work with um, an organization called No Lose, and it's right. a volunteer-run organization that's all about uh, ending fat oppression and creating a vibrant queer um, fat culture, and, and it's all about celebrating people's bodies and sexuality and ending discrimination and prejudice and hatred. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are doing some really hard and incredible work around the country, different lawyers and activists and stuff like that. And the event, No Lose, creates this conference that happens once a year, once every other year, where different activists and organi- organizers get together to, to share the work that we're doing and inspire each other and make friendships and and try to change the world. So I was doing that, and I was working in plus-size fashion at the same time. So it was a very all-encompassing experience that really helped me, you know, kind of helped change my life, change the way that I looked at the world, change the way I looked at my body. And And so No Loose, is it just based in New York, or is it chapters across the country? Well, it's kind of... They're, they don't have chapters. It's a national, it's rather an international organization, um, and different people, they'll support people organizing locally in their communities. So if somebody in um, Michigan wants to put together like a one-day conference or some kind of social event, um, the organization of No Lose will help people. They have like a fund also of money that people can um ask for money to do events or support different activists and stuff. But the main thrust of No Lose is the conference that happens once a year or once every other year. And, so um, as a fundraiser for this organization, you created the Fat Girl Flea Market. So tell right. us more about that. So the Fat Girl Flea Market was, um, we created that after September 11th because No Lose was having a hard time raising money for the conference. And... Um, my friends and I, we were having a conversation about going to thrift stores and, like, how much we like thrift store shopping, but it was very frustrating to find clothing in our size, even though boys donated clothing all over the place. Um, nobody ever had any for us, so we just didn't understand how that happened. So we realized, well, if we just collect our clothing and other people who are size 14 and above um, clothing from all of us, um, we can have a really amazing sale. And that's kind of what we did. And we did it the first year, and it was really fun, and it was a very body-positive event. And, you know, you got a lot of, like, really amazing clothing for not a lot of money because your friend has clothes that they don't want. Um, you know, they might be the perfect item for you. You don't know. So, um, you know, it's a fun way of getting everything out of people's closets and um, and into somebody else's closet, and we raised a lot of money. So we've been doing that for a few years, and it's it's grown. What's nice is that it's grown out of the gay community to the broader community. So it's a really fun way of sharing that body-positive message, sharing that message of self-love, and also, like, I, there was a woman who walked out of the flea market one time with, like, 45 bags of clothing. Wow. Right? Like, she bought, because everything is, like, $5. Like, everything is really inexpensive. So, because we get so much clothing donated. And women get, if you donate clothing, you get a tax receipt. So it's just like a regular charity. Oh, if you're going to okay. donate clothing to your church or you're going to donate clothing to Goodwill or you're going to donate clothing to the flea market. So when you donate clothing to Fat Girl Flea Market, you know that it's going to go directly to somebody who's going to love it, and then the money gets raised for, for okay. Fat Girl. I didn't know it was a tax deduction, yeah. too, with that. So that's good mm-hmm. to know. Yeah. So, so is, is this the ideal, um, doing this Fat Girl Flea Market, is this where you got the ideal for your clothing store? Well, people kept saying they wanted to have the Fat Girl Flea Market every day. But mm-hmm. it took... You know, it takes months to organize it and 20 people to put it together (laughs) who all volunteered. So it was definitely not a kind of thing that we could do every day. But um, between 
the flea market and working at a light, um, I knew that we were, you know, that our plus size community was starved for more shopping options. And I also believe in resale and keeping clothing out of landfills and like mm-hmm. that, you know. And especially with the a, recession. Yeah, and now with the recession, like I was planning this business before the recession, and now it's even more important because it's, you know, the prices, the clothes that we offer are at least half off of the retail price and usually a lot more off, you know, a lot cheaper than that. Not as cheap as the Fat Girl Flea Market, but we hand pick all the items that are in the store. Um, so and some things you turn away because it's not good enough? Yeah, we definitely we definitely say no to a lot of things. It all has to be in um, either new or like new condition. I mean, I want that sense of like you can walk into the store and buy something beautiful and put it on and walk out the door and wear it. Um, so nothing that has any holes or any stains in it, things that need to be repaired in any way. But um, the clothing that we do say no to either women can take it home or or will actually donate it and some things are getting donated to the flea market some things are getting donated to um different women's shelters so that they're going to like everything that is wearable will find a home Um, so did you have any obstacles getting your store open well you know the old adage that it takes twice as long and twice as much money i think is true i didn't think it was but um but apparently it is but um, we've been open for three months, and all of the hardships from the from the last year are forgotten because everything is going really, really well, and we're having a lot of fun. So, um, you know, it's oh, a so lot of hard month, work. This month was your grand opening, um, just the celebration. Mm-hmm. It wasn't when yeah. you opened the door. Okay. Well, we had, a, we had a – oh, no, that's okay. Well, we had a quiet opening so that we could make sure that everything worked. Mm-hmm. That when we did our grand opening, it would be like butter, you know. Mm-hmm. It would be smooth, and nobody had to see all of our warts. So, but it's actually it's been really smooth from the first day on. It's kind of amazing. Women bring in their clothing, and um, you know we go through it depending on what our needs are for the store and what the seasonal needs are. Um, you know, we go through them, and the things that we want to take, we offer either 25% in cash of what we price it at or 40% in store credit, and a lot of women choose store credit because that's the way they turn around and get a whole new wardrobe. Um, and it's uh, kind of amazing. The reception that we've been getting, the clothing that women are bringing in is gorgeous um, and amazing. Everything from, like, amazing, fun, torrid green t-shirts and hoodies and like those really cute retro dresses from Torrid mm-hmm. all the way through like Marc Jacobs, Marina Rinaldi. We're getting like, you know, we run the gamut from price. We go from low end really fun, you know, throw it on like jeans and everyday wear to like evening wear. And um, and then we also have a really huge selection of vintage clothing because that was important to me. I love vintage clothing, and, you know, in New York City, you can't walk into a vintage store and find anything over size 8. So I wanted to offer that to women. Um, We start our vintage collection actually at a size 10, Mm -hmm. um, and it goes all the way up through a 4X. um, And we have, I think, the largest collection of vintage, of like plus-size specific vintage clothing in the country. So when you bring clothing into the resale um, in your store, do you get money up front or do you get mm-hmm. money when it's sold? No, you get it all right away. It's re- That's the difference between resale and consignment. So consignment oh. is we'll take your clothes, we'll try to sell them, and then when they get sold we'll give you money. Mm-hmm. But resale is a little bit more risky for the business owner, but we buy that right there. or give you store credit right there. Um, And our store credit never expires. So, you know, we have women come in, drop off their clothes, um, you know, let us donate what we don't want, and then they just have store credit waiting for them for when they want to come in and shop. Um, So if listeners want to send clothing to your store from out of town, could they do so? We haven't figured out how to do that yet. I mean, I think um, I'm totally open to it. I think that it's a matter of um, 
if somebody wants to ship us a box and give their information, I guess we could cut somebody a check. I mean, I think that locally, you know, if they're only going to get 25% of whatever we're going to price it at, maybe if they're going to plan to, like, visit New York and would like store credit, maybe that would be a more Yeah, because shipping it there would probably take their um, credit. Yeah, like the shipping might take up the money. So, I mean, they're also, I would advocate anybody do a clothing swap, Mm -hmm. you know, in your in your area. Organize a clothing swap. They are one they are so much fun. And you get to and they're a great way to socialize. They're a great way to meet new people. There's a great way to talk about, you know, what it means to be plus size in this world and a great way to organize community around it. Because everybody needs clothing. I mean that's mm-hmm. why that's why the fat girl flea market I think is so popular, not just because you know, we're activism or we, we're activists or we believe in what, you know, what we're trying to do in the world. But, like, you need a pair of jeans or you need a dress. You know, so it fulfills, like, a need um, that is outside of how we feel about ourselves. And at the same time, you get that, you know, kind of support that I think we all can give each other, um, you know, that I feel like you do and Plus Model Magazine does. Um, you know, which is like to raise us all up and say that oh, we don't you know, you. deserve to be treated like second-class citizens in right. this country. So, you know, I think doing a clothing swap is a fun way of, of you know, getting rid of your clothing, things that you don't wear anymore, um, moving them on to a better place. And then, uh, but, you know, if somebody wants to try to sell it to redress, I'm totally happy to take it. Or if they're visiting New York and want to pack another suitcase, Mm-hmm. That sounds also like a great idea. We have lots of women come from out of town to come and, and shop at Redress. So do you ever need models for photo shoots or in-store events? And if so, how can our listeners submit? Um, well, we will probably be doing a lot more store events. We're definitely doing a big one in September. We're going to do our uh, an independent um, designer weekend and we're going to do a fashion show so people can just um, send me an email with their information my email address is deb at redressnyc.com and that's all one word Um, and then sign up on the website sign up on our Facebook Um, when we need models we will be posting that information on there all the time okay and so and, do you uh, have any specials coming up or promotions that we could be looking for? Um, right now, I think we're going to do some kind of dress event coming up in the next few months, probably also to um, we're going to go move to seven days a week. Right now we're only four days a week open, mm-hmm. so um, probably starting April 1st. So look for some kind of dress um, sale or event so we can launch spring and um, but everything will be up on the website, and that is www.redressnyc.com. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm coming to New York soon, so I'll definitely have to swing by. Oh, absolutely! Please come by. I mean, if you come by, we can turn it into an event. We can have cocktails and have a meet and greet. It would be really fun, unless you want to be like low key and just shop, you know, undercover. <laughs> You don't want a lot of people seeing what you're buying, you know, trying to right, take right. things out of your hands. <laughs> well, we'll definitely be in touch. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Janice. Thank you for being on the show. Have a good night. You too. Bye. So that was Deb. If you are in uh, New York, make sure you definitely stop by her store. Now with the recession and everything so expensive, that is a great way to get a lot of new outfits for um, half the price. Now our second guest for the evening is Rasha Spindle. Rasha is a plus-size model, singer, actor, writer, and all-around entertainer. Rasha became a reality star on NBC's The Biggest Loser and has starred in various television shows, commercials, 
fashion campaigns, theater productions, and movies. As a singer, Rasha has released two albums in her native Hawaii with her father, Hal Spindle, in the group Faith of a Child. And as a model, a few of Rasha's credits include Torrid, Macy, Curvy Girl Clothing, Lane Bryant, Columbia Sportswear, Nordstrom's, Meyer and Frank, Anna Schwartz, David's Bridal, and Mervyn's. She's also appeared on the Tyra Banks Show, the Today Show, Inside Edition, and AM Northwest. And in August of 2008, Rasha became a member of the BB Dolls, Portland's premier plus-size performance troupe. So let's get Rasha on the line. Hi, are you there? Aloha, Shanice. How are you? Hi, I'm great. So good to talk to you. I know. I feel like I've met you, but I can't believe that in this small plus-size world I haven't met you yet. I feel like I know you. (laughs) (laughs) So you have a lot going on. So you were born and raised in Hawaii. So how was it growing up plus-size in Hawaii? Because I assume you practically live on the beach and stay in swimsuits. So how was it being plus-size Oh Oh, my goodness, Shanice. It's so funny because truly, like, I feel so blessed to have been born and raised in the most beautiful place on the planet. (laughs) But um, in the same breath, like my sister, I mean, as gorgeous as she is, she's a size two. You know, we have different fathers, very different, you know, genetics. And I am, you know, grew up my whole life being a size 16. And all the people around me, um, you know, are like size two, size four. And I definitely like to wear sports bra and shorts as opposed to swimsuit (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, growing up. But it's, Definitely, you know, being five foot eight, you know, growing up in Honolulu, like I was always so much taller, so much bigger, always bigger than my boyfriend. <laughs> um, but it just, I was very blessed to have my mom and my sister and, you know, my dad. They all told me I was beautiful no matter what size I was at because oh, I was just built that way. My sister and I have different dads. I mean, her dad is African American and my dad is, you know, Caucasian and Native American, and then our mom is mixed with everything. So. I feel like a multicultural person who just kind of happened to get the curvy end of the stick. <laughs> right, which is nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. We're all beautiful in our own way. <laughs> so growing up, um, did you always have a desire to be in entertainment? And were there any opportunities for you in Hawaii? I always wanted to be in entertainment. My my sister is an actor and a model, and my mom's a producer, and my dad, you know, obviously is a singer. So I think it was running in my blood before I even realized it. <laughs> um, okay. I didn't realize I wanted to be a plus-size model until I, you know, I moved to Portland um, you know, a few years ago, uh, actually six years ago now. But I always wanted to sing or act. And growing up, I had a lot of opportunity, at least on the singing side of the spectrum, because mm-hmm. we have um, brown bags to start in, which is kind of like Hawaii's version of American Idol. Oh. And uh, <laughs> um, it's really big um, back, you know, home in Honolulu, and I won that um, my junior year of high school. So I, oh, you did? Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, and I, I had a lot of opportunities singing and acting, and um, but no modeling opportunities. I didn't see any of that until I moved to Portland, and then when I lived in Los Angeles for a few years. Mm-hmm. So you, you were there any anything still in Hawaii, or all the opportunities are in the states? Truly, I mean, there are a lot of opportunities there now. Like, if I were to move back home, I mean, they film a lot of television shows there. Like, Lost is being filmed there. A lot of movies are being filmed. Um, But for a plus size, at least for me, like, um, I just do better over here. Like, especially for me in the Pacific Northwest, because I'm a little bit larger than, you know, most of the models in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I'm I I'm a 16, like a 14 on a good day, <laughs> but, but a 16 on a normal day. So I get a lot of work here, luckily, and I haven't had the opportunity to work at home yet, at least for my modeling, but for singing I do, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So how did you end up competing on The Biggest Loser? <laughs> well, um, I had already been a plus-size model for a few years, and I just, I think anyone who's grown up, being, you know, curvy and voluptuous, always, especially, you know, being surrounded by people who are thinner, you always wonder, hmm, what would it be like if I were smaller, if I lost a little bit of weight? So I sent in, you know, my videotape, and truly another aspect of it was is I I wanted to be, I really wanted to be, you know, on camera. So I just sent in a videotape, and I got cast, and then they approached me, 
asked, they asked me if I had um, anyone in my family that was overweight. I'm like, no. Um, but my, you know, then soon-to-be husband had a, had a beer belly. <laughs> oh, so you guys so, went on together. So we were on the actually the first couples edition um, of The Biggest Loser. So it truly was just for me sending in a videotape and going, you know, to meet with producers about five different times. It was a very insane casting process, but it was truly just from sending in my tape, and I sent it in a little purple envelope to stand out. <laughs> so how much weight did you lose on The Biggest Loser, and were you able um, to keep it off after the show? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I It took me, well, in five months, um, I lost 70 pounds, so I went from about a size 18, 20 down to a size 10, 12. Oh, really? And, yeah, it was insane, and I was very lucky. I didn't have any loose skin. I didn't you know, have any adverse effects from it at all. But truly my body feels, you know, comfortable at about, you know, a 14. And I wasn't, I was told by my agency that I wouldn't get any more work out of 10, 12 out here in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I get to eat. <laughs> um, so I, right now I'm like a 14, 16, you know, but I'm really happiest at a 14. So do you so, think it's hard to keep the weight off because you don't have oh, yeah. personal trainers and the, the <laughs> nutritionists? And... It's very hard to keep it off. I mean, like a lot of us, you know, we've done different shows and talk shows and like Oprah and, you know, Tyra and all that kind of stuff. And everyone's been honest about gaining the weight back because truly it's a game show. It's an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And at least now I know about healthy lifestyle and, you know, being fit even at the size that I'm at. Um, but truly, it is hard to keep that weight off. No one should lose 70 pounds in five months. That's not realistic. Right. Well, y'all were just trying to win the money. Exactly. We didn't, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> we, I mean, truly, I mean, I, I, it's been such a beautiful part of my life because even though I was a model before the show, um, you know, and, of course, after, I just feel like I can reach a lot more people because they've seen me on television. And I'm about all different kinds of things, not just, loving yourself at the size you're at, but loving, you know, yourself no matter what color you are, shape, size, sexuality, religion, whatever. So I felt like I had a nice little box to stand on. (laughs) Looking back, do you see the experience on the show uh, positive or negative, and would you do it again? Absolutely, 100%, I would do it again. I thought it was a beautiful, positive experience, and I'm still involved. I mean, I still go back for all the finales. I'm still very close to my trainer, Bob, and I'm very engrossed in the community. And I think it's because the reason it's been so positive is I've been the only one from the beginning that came out and said, yes, I've gained my weight back. Yes, I still feel beautiful. Yes, you know, I still want to maintain a healthy lifestyle. I don't have to do it as a size 10, you know, um, but I would absolutely do it again. And this time I'd probably, you know, want to – learn more about how to maintain as opposed to just losing it in five months. I didn't really learn how to maintain it for the long run. So before the show, you mentioned before you even got on the show, you already had a career as a plus-size model, but did the exposure on the show help your career and bring you more opportunities? Absolutely. I mean, I don't think, like, uh, my very first cover was actually Plus Model Magazine. Oh, really? You know, in, yeah, that was in November. It was a November-December issue of 2006, and I know that I wouldn't have been asked to do that if I wasn't on The Biggest Loser. And then right after that, um, I booked the very first cover of Sports Magazine. So, like, I know that more people saw me because I was on television. Right. I mean, and, you know, my MySpace has been so great. I mean, I get thousands of hits on that a week. It's crazy. So, you know, and it it airs literally. Our our season airs like every week on the Style Network and Bravo and NBC and all this stuff. So I have constant exposure from it. So it's definitely helped my career for sure. So tell us about the performance troupe you joined, the BB Dolls, and how did you get involved with that? I am so proud to be a part of the BB Dolls. I was actually singing... um, um, here in Portland, and I was asked by a mutual friend of mine um, to come and try out for the BB Dolls, which is actually aimed, I mean, not that it's aimed only at the gay and lesbian community in Portland, but it was founded um, by someone who really wanted to reach out to that audience. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that you should love a person no matter what sex they are, what color, whatever. So when they asked me to audition, I was like, sure. The only requirement was that, you know, you loved everybody no matter what 
Mm-hmm. They, you know, no matter who they loved and that you're a plus size. I'm like, and you could sing and dance. I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> so um, I went and auditioned, and we are, I mean, if I can toot my own horn, you know, five of the sexiest women I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. Like, like we, I mean, Oh, it's an amazing. Like, our premiere show is coming up February 27th. It's our first full-length concert. We've done different, you know, we did the L Word premiere for Showtime a few weeks ago. We've done guest performances at different spots. But we are really about promoting beauty at any and every size, and we all can sing and dance our, you know, curvy butts off. (laughs) So does the BB doll sing original music or you cover songs? Right now we're just doing cover songs, but um, I know a lot of the ladies eventually, you know, we might want to do some originals because when I sing with my dad, we do all of his own original music. Mm -hmm. But this is more kind of like, you know, the plus-size version of the Pussycat Dolls. Mm -hmm. You know, we kind of do a little bit of everything. Like in our show coming up, like I'm doing, you know, a Hawaiian number and, you know, we're all, I mean, it's just, it's a great mix of women and they're so talented, so sexy and just so beautiful. It's just really fun to be a part of and promoting something that I believe so strongly in. So is there a CD in the works? Possibly? Well, not just not just yet, but, um, you know, it's our first concert, and I know uh, some of the producers from NBC are coming to see us, so who knows? We might oh. be signed with someone very soon. <laughs> well, good. Keep me posted. You guys are to come be. to Love Your Body Day and perform in October. I would love to. I know I've been booked for shows for the past two Love Your Body Days, and I am not going to miss this one. <laughs> well, good. Well, do you have anything else coming up we could be on the lookout for? Yeah, well, um, I definitely, you know, we have that big show on um, February 27th, so anyone in the Portland area, um, we're almost sold out of tickets, so I would love for them to come see us um, at the Egyptian Room, and all of my information is on um, my MySpace, um, which is myspace.com slash Rasha Spindel, which is R-A-S-H-A, S P I N D E L or myspace.com slash the BB dolls. <laughs> um, so that's our big show. Um, and I also do a lot of um, different radio um, events, and I have a few campaigns coming out that I'm really excited about. But I have daily blogs on my MySpace to come and check me out. Well, cool. Thank you so much for doing the show, girl. Well, thank you so much, Shanice. I cannot wait to meet you in person. And my mama, who is listening right now, lives in L.A., so I need to come and give you a big hug. Yeah, hey, Mama. Thanks for listening. (laughs) I know. Fauna Hotel, my gorgeous Mama. And I will be there um, in May for the Biggest Loser finale, so um, I'll definitely have to come and have some, you know, some food or a drink or something with you. One of my best friends is Maggie Brown, so I'm going to come see her too. Yeah. Okay, girl. Well, keep in touch, and congrats on everything. Thank you. And you too. You're gorgeous. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Have a good night. Thank you. You too. Aloha. Bye. So that was Rasha. Make sure if you're in the Portland area that you go check her out with the BB dolls. Um, And I'm sure they'll be touring around soon, so just go to the MySpace and check out their dates. Now, last but definitely not least is Coco Brown, hailing from Newport News, Virginia. This comedian is definitely on the rise to stardom. Brown's energy and warmness on and off the stage has earned her DC Comedian of the Year. She has performed in front of a variety of audiences, including Kennedy Center Honors Richard Pryor, Deaf Comedy Jam Tour, nine consecutive seasons of BET's Comic View, and stars in black comedy series The First Amendment, produced by Martin Lawrence. As an accomplished actress, she has various film, television, and commercial credits under her belt. Coco is also a popular columnist who has written for publications like Honey and In the Mix magazines. Currently, she is preparing her one-woman show, Confessions of a Suicide Diva, and is touring across the U.S. Let's give a warm welcome for Miss Coco Brown. Hey. Hi, Coco. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? Good. Girl? Thank you uh, for being on the show. I know you're busy. Just got, barely got <laughs> in to make the interview. Girl, shoot, sitting up here chatting on Facebook. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> <laughs> so, what were you doing before you decided to pursue a career in entertainment? 
You know, doing what my parents wanted me to do. I went to college, got my degree, and was working in corporate America. I moved to uh, D.C. I went to school in uh, Richmond, Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth University, and moved up to D.C., got a job up there. was working at Ringling Brothers. Yeah, hmm. circus. I was working at um, their corporate offices in McLean, Virginia, and doing advertising and account management up there. And uh, wasn't happy, was looking for any way out, and it just so happened comedy fell in my lap. <laughs> really? Yeah, it, it, it truly fell in my lap. I was sitting on the couch one night just, you know, contemplating my life, watching TV, and mm-hmm. a friend of mine from college happened to call me, and he said, you know, what you doing? I said, I'm just chilling. He said, come with me to this party. And I'm like, huh? Come to this party. I'm like, okay. And we go to this party and come to find out it was being thrown by um, a gentleman by the name of Chris Paul, who is Donnie Simpson's sidekick on uh, the radio station in D.C., 95. Mm-hmm. And um, he introduced me to them. And apparently he had put a bug in there, you know, because apparently he was looking for a new female talent to kind of come in the club and bring some female point of views to the room and everything. And he had told him about me because I had hosted some things for their fraternity when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, you were always so funny and you were just natural. You were good at it. And by the end of the night, I got a spot on his show. Really? And truly, that is how Coco Brown was born. So, so it was like it's the meant to be. wherever you are, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so once you moved to L.A., were there obstacles in getting your career established? You know, it wasn't obstacles. I mean, I hit the ground running. I came out here um, with the hopes of a potential show on a major network, had been in meetings back and forth, flying back and forth. Um, the week I was moving to L.A., the deal fell through. Oh, man. So, I mean, at that point, it was do or die. You either go or you take all, you know, you stop your uncle from driving your stuff cross country and cancel your plane ticket and figure out what you're going to do, or you just go ahead and go and bite the bullet, which is what I did. I hit the ground running. I had made some contacts and um, basically, you know, just worked every contact I had, you know, to the bone and ended up getting an agent and, you know, getting a manager and just working the clubs and making a name for myself and letting people know, hey, Coco Brown is here, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's what it's been ever since. So it's a common belief that most comedians get their jokes from pain or insecurities from their childhood. Is this true for you? (laughs) Why are you laughing? No, because um, I'm actually going through such a transition in my, my material and my career right now, my Mentor, the fat doctor, calls it the comic evolution. He says every comic who's worth their salt will go through it, where they'll realize that maybe the material they're telling is not a representation of who they are. Mm-hmm. And it usually will take something traumatic to happen to them for them to realize what their true voice is on stage. Mm. And um, let's just say I'm going through that evolution right now. <laughs> and okay. it took, you know, it took the economy, you know, not you know, not seeing my account that low since college, and mm-hmm. you know gigs, and you know men not being about nothing in right. my life, and blah blah blah, and everything on top of it, you just kind of break me down and make me just peel off that exterior of this so-called image I had made of Coca Brown, and mm-hmm. then going on stage truly just you know naked basically, mm-hmm. and and pouring my soul out, and then realizing this is me, this is who I am, and people are getting it. They like it. They're like, whoa, it's different because they're used to me being, you know, boom, bam, boom, and talking mm-hmm. all this trash. But then when I'm up there talking some real, real talk, they're like, whoa. this." They is can relate crazy. to it. Yeah, they're like, she purging, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't welcome pain on anybody, but it's definitely been a benefit to my career. So being plus size in Hollywood, do you feel there are a lack of positive roles available to you? You know, it's funny. You know, you ask you ask a, a skinny woman in this business, mm-hmm. and they'll say, you know, we're not taken seriously if we want to be funny because we're skinny. Mm-hmm. And all the funny roles go to big women. Right. But then you ask a big actress or a, a, a plus size actress, you the same thing, and she'll say every role I get – I'm ghetto fabulous. I'm loud. I'm ignorant. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't. I'm chasing some man that don't want me. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta be the funny sidekick. I can never ever be taken seriously. I don't get to go in for the auditions of the for love the interest or anything like mm-hmm. that. So it's a double-edged sword. I mean, it's like you play the game. You know, because I mean, it, you know, Hollywood has their stereotypes. They will pigeonhole the hell out of you. 
mm-hmm. and they are very leery of breaking that glass ceiling. You know, I commend Monique because she's done it to some extent. Mm-hmm. You know, she had to do her own project. She had to do right. Fat Girl, do her own project to get considered a sex symbol and to be sexy at her size. But right. I commend her for that because it did put a crack in that ceiling that just because I'm not a size three and I don't look like I got a thousand multi-ethnic, you know, ethnicities in me. Ambiguous <laughs> ethnicity. <laughs> exactly. You know, I don't, I don't look like that. You know, I can still be sexy because I'm going to tell you, I'm a sexy heifer. I'll, I'll, yeah, all right. I'm going to tell with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, you know, it's 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 difficult sometimes because I mean, I went out for an audition today, mm-hmm. and the role was for um, a madam of a brothel who killed her uh, lover. Mm. And you know, I go in thinking I'm gonna be more Della Reese, you know, sexy from Harlem Nights, you know. Mm-hmm. And they wanted me ghetto fabulous, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, here we go again. Right. But you play the role, you do what you gotta do. So on the flip side. Do you think being plus size as a stand-up comedian is a benefit to you? Now, I'm going to tell you this. That's another Mm -hmm. double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. Because if you ask a slim female comic, she'll say that they're not taken seriously because they're skinny. And that all the roles go to plus-size female comics. But don't get me wrong. They're plus-size female comics who ain't funny. Just as there are slim <laughs> comics who ain't funny. Let's just call a spade a spade. It has nothing to do with size. It's about your voice and how you you know put it out there to your audience. But do um, you think yeah. the audience is more open to you? Um, I'm not a threat. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know as I've I've talked to some of my you know colleagues who are slimmer, mm-hmm. and they say that it takes a while for them to get the women on their side because they're mm-hmm. up there telling jokes looking like a model. Right. And they're looking at them like, you know, who she thinks she is. But don't get me wrong, I get it too. I go on stage in a mini dress showing these legs, mm-hmm. and I got a chick in the front row going, that B thinks she cute. Right. So, I mean, it's the same thing. It just, I think it just all depends on your, your, your material and your stage presence and having that just common denominator of likability the minute mm-hmm. you touch that stage. Do, mm-hmm. Are you someone some, those people want to hang with? They want to know. Right. You know, um, people assume if you're big, you're funny. I ain't going to lie. They assume if you're big, you're funny. Yeah, they do. People and, ask me if I'm a, a stand-up comedian all the time, and I'm like, no. Yeah, exactly, you know. And I have girlfriends who are just straight actresses who are beautiful, plus-size women, and they get pigeonholed. They get put mm-hmm. into, you know, and these are serious actresses who went to school and studied drama at Yale and, you know, can go toe-to-toe with an Angela Bassett, and mm-hmm. they get stuck in, you know, can you put a gold tooth on and wear blonde hair? No, <laughs> I don't want to. You know, it, it's just one of those things that it's just, it's, it's, a, it's unfortunately a stigma that goes with that. But, no, I mean, you know, it, you, you, you can break it. You just, you just got to be who you are and be comfortable in your skin. So despite the odds, you've been able to accomplish a lot in your career. So what are you most proud of? Mm. I'm most proud of when I do colleges and when I speak at high schools. And I have plus-size younger women, girls, mm-hmm. come up to me and tell me that I inspire them. Mm-hmm. That, you know, to, to watch my confidence, to watch me in terms of what I wear and how I carry myself. And, you know, it gives them, it, it helps boost their self-esteem that there's someone out there that looks like them who may have made it to a level that they thought may be unobtainable because of their size. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the, my, you know, proudest moments when I, you know, when I have, you know, plus size, you know, girls come to me and they go, wow, you, you made me feel so good about how I look and who I am and, you know, you representing for the big girls. And I'm mm-hmm. like all day long, don't get me wrong, unless if I get skinny, I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> You need to pray for me immediately. You see me walking around, size three, I'm sick. I'm dying. So, you know, just start praying for me because, you know, you help me get through it. I mean, I'll drop. I'm one of those those women that will fluctuate between 10 and 20 pounds. I'll gain 10 and 20. I'll lose 10 and 20. Um, I have my comfortable size, Mm -hmm. you know, where all my clothes in my closet fit. And then I have Mm -hmm. those ones that when I'm going through something and I'm 20 pounds heavier. And Mm -hmm. then I have those jeans that I keep and hold on to. I'm I'm, going to see that size nine again. Uh, (laughs) Throw them away. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. 
So do you have any future plans to create your own project or ones for plus-size women? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm actually uh, working on a project now, um, God willing, um, that it, 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 it becomes a reality, which basically is my life of being a 30-something, you know, plus-size woman who is successful, educated, still single, trying to compete, you know, trying to figure out do brothers still want a good woman or just a bad B? Mm-hmm. You know, because um, and it puts me in a situation where um, I'm pulling a lot from my life. You know, um, the sitcom God Willing Would Get Picked Up is, is basically based around the fact that I was engaged to be married and the man dumped me because he decided, you know, hey, you know, I want to be a rapper and I'm 40 years old. What? Yeah, it's, it's, it's ugly. Yeah, spend our wedding money on a demo. What? <laughs> that is some of the pain. And I, and I just feel like, you know, everybody needs a dream. I'm all with that. Mm-hmm. But a rapper at 40, homie, yeah, no. Yeah, you're not you platinum by now. Give it up. Exactly. The only way you're going to blow up at this point is if you swallow gasoline and chase it with a lip mask. That's the only way you're going to blow up. So, um, you know, and I, it'll represent, you know, that, you know, those women out there who are feeling like they're having to compete not only with the skinnier women, but the women who are, are, are throwing it out there and may not have a moral fiber in their body, mm-hmm. you know, and you're trying to be a good woman and, and have something to offer a man, don't give up on that. Because there are dudes out there that ain't worrying about the, the, the chicken head and the chick with the biggest booty in the club. There are dudes out there that want something more than that because eventually that booty going to drop. <laughs> You know, and and she gonna look real crazy with all this booty and a belly, and she gonna look crazy after you pump a few kids in her. Uh-huh. So <laughs> get a woman that's already there, so it won't be a too much of a deviation after she had a kid. It won't be too dramatic of a change. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you're currently traveling with Meet the Browns comedy tour. So tell mm-hmm. us more about that. Oh, it's an incredible tour. Um, it was created by comedian Steve Brown, great friend of mine. And uh, it is a comedy tour that features seven of the hottest comics you'll ever see come out the box, and we all have the last name Brown. You've got and none of you are related, huh? None of us are related, unless, of course, you know, some of us really don't know who our daddy is. Um, <laughs> I know who my father is. Thank you very much, Madison Brown. But, <laughs> but um, I, um, it's because uh, it has myself, Benji Brown. Uh, people will probably recognize him from Kiki. He does the whole voice and everything. Mm-hmm. Willie Brown and Woody, uh, the brother with the uh, little man. We don't call him dummy. He's a real person. <laughs> and um, Pat Brown, Steve Brown, Doodoo Brown, Spanky Brown, and then, of course, myself. Wow. So uh, what cities are you hitting up next? Uh, this weekend we're going to be in Atlanta at the Bronner Brothers Hair Show. Okay. And that should be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Oh, that's gonna be material. I, I'm planning on doing no material. I'm just gonna look out over the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> talking about people you see. I'm gonna be able to pull much material off of that. I, it, it, I've done them before, and trust me, I didn't even do any material. I didn't have to. <laughs> Front row was material enough. Uh, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. I love it. You gotta love Atlanta. And um, so do you have anything Austin. else coming up besides the um, the tour? Uh, right now, just working on. Uh, I'm working on a web series called The Rain Cat Show. You can check that out on YouTube. And mm-hmm. Rain Cat is R A Y N E C A T show. And you can pull that up and check out some of the web series we've done. I've actually written for that show as well. Um, one of the episodes that I wrote the entire episode is called Church in a Box, and okay. it's getting a lot of good hits on Comedy Time as well as YouTube. Um, and Rain Cat, what does that mean? What's the show about? Well, she's she's the main character. She's like, imagine if, like, Peg Bundy had a child with, like, Ozzy Osbourne. That's who you got. Oh. <laughs> and I play her sidekick, uh, LaTanya. Oh, okay. And um, you can also go on the website for the Browns of Comedy and see where we're going to be next, and that's www.brownsofcomedy.com. And what are your official websites? You can reach me on Facebook under Coca Brown, C O C O A Brown. You can also reach me on MySpace under Coca Brown, the number four life. And you can also reach me on my personal website, which is www.coca, C O C O A, like hot coca, brown, the number four life.com. Now, is that your real name or is that a stage name? 
It is what I get paid. It's my tax name. It's the name I pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder that. Yeah, I mean, my real name. Uh, I usually don't put out there much because I try to. Keep well, you don't have to say it. You don't yeah, have to I, say I try it. to keep it personal, you know, because it's like um, personal. It's just mm-hmm. like one of the things I, I tell dudes. I said, "You want to know Coca? You want to know the real me?" Nah, I hear that. <laughs> that usually stops a lot of the bull crap. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being thank on you. the show. Thank and you. much success with your career. You've already done so much and continue success. Thank you so much for having me, sister. And you too. Yeah, maybe I'll see you at an audition or two again. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and we, and we won't have to be ghetto. We can actually be sexy. And, yeah, and hopefully. Here, you know, because I really want to retire this blonde wig. I really do. <laughs> hey, I like my blonde hair. What you talking about? It look good on you, but girl, you know dang on well like a prostitute. You, you Okay, I'm walking out the audition, got white men pulling up. How much? You know what? Keep moving, keep moving. I'm at an audition. <laughs> so. Well girl, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, girl. Thanks for having me. Hey, bye. All right. Much blessings, girl. Bye bye. So that was Coco Brown, as you can see, a very funny and talented comedian. Make sure you check her out um, at the upcoming tour dates for Meet the Browns because it's going to be a a really good show. So tune in next time, and we'll have more plus industry professionals with stories to not only inspire you but to keep you connected. And if you haven't already, don't forget to join the Plus Model Radio pages on MySpace and Facebook. For more information about our show, go to our website at www.plusmodelmag.com. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, email guests at plusmodelmagazine.com to submit. I've been your host this evening, Shanice Lewis. Thank you for tuning in and supporting Plus Model Radio. Until next time, keep thriving in your curves and be blessed. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.